0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Okay, you guys want to have a seat? Thank you so much. We, uh, let me just kind of get this a little bit more situated. Uh, it's so good to come together again this morning and uh, to uh, to praise the Lord together. Uh, we, uh, if you're joining us online uh, this morning, uh, we just want to say welcome. I know there's still a lot of sicknesses going around, so if that's you, we just want to uh, tell you that we're thinking of you this morning and we're, we're glad you're with us. Well, we are... Uh, Finishing off a section in Romans where, where some people think that um, this is actually the culmination before the culmination in the book of Romans, uh, that these verses kind of sum up what we've been learning since chapter 1, and others are saying, well, it's just, it's just kind of summing up chapters uh, 14 through now, and, and I, as I've studied this week, I think, yeah, like, yes, the answer is yes. I think they're kind of both, both and, um, as, we, as we look at the text. Uh, we, um, as we've been going through the book of Romans, we have uh, learned uh, first that whether you, you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, that you're in sin. Um, that you are a person who is born in sin, that, that uh, despite your heritage, and this was hard for the Jews to understand, despite your heritage, you still need to be saved. And, uh, and that is through faith. And so in the beginning, chapters 1 through 3, you see this, this section where he's talking about, okay, Gentiles, this is your problem, right? Even though there's every evidence that there is a God, you suppress the truth. You suppress the truth and, and you turn. Instead of honoring God, you dishonor him. And we're going to be touching on that this morning. And then, and then uh, you... Uh, the, 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 the Jews, even though you had the truth there before you, you did not walk in faith. And then he gets to this section in Romans chapter 3, three where he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's our story. Every one of us, we, we need to be saved. And how do we do that? It is through faith. We see in chapter 4, it was by faith that Abraham did the things that he did. That's how he became uh, the, the, the chosen uh, one who would the nation of Israel will be bu- built through, and then in chapters five through eight we see the implications of the gospel and and the riches of it. If you're discouraged, if you're if you're downhearted, you're you're kind of wondering like, what is it that I believe as a believer? Read and meditate on Romans five through eight. It ought to encourage your soul every time you read it. And then Romans nine through eleven deal with Jews and Gentiles being saved. And, 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 the, and we're going to see this chapters 9 through 11 really summed up in the couple of verses that we're going to be looking at today. And then we got to chapter 12, right? Like in light of all of this, how then should we live? How then should we live? And, 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 and we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And there's been a whole lot about love, right, from chapter 12 through 15. And in particular, we've been talking about, for the three weeks previous to now in our study of Romans, is how do we, as believers, get along with one another when we disagree? What happens when we disagree? And, and of course, we've talked about the fact that, that we've, over the last 2,000 years, failed over and over again in our disagreements. Um, I think the Protestant Reformation was a really, really important thing, but it's almost like we're like, let's do that again, and again, and again, and again, right? And, 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 and now we have all these denominations and all these different uh, groups, and ultimately, if you are a child of God, you major on the majors, which is the gospel, and then when it comes to the minor things, i.e., like we've been learning about in the weeks previous, bacon whether I can eat bacon or not, um, it's become like the new mantra at our church, bacon. <clears throat> and um, I think the sales are up. And and uh, so, um, but, but we had to understand, as we looked at the last three weeks, for some people eating bacon was a really big deal, and, and they couldn't do that without offending their conscience, and for them it was sin, and so the stronger believer was to come alongside and say, I, I, I don't never have to eat bacon again if it's going to cause you to sin. And as we've looked at the last three weeks, our attitude towards one another is to recognize what we have together, that we've all been saved by the same grace, that we're all trying to serve the same Lord. And, and we have our own bacon problems here in 2022, right? We, we, we as humanity, we find new ways to divide all the time, it would seem. And even in the church, sadly. And we miss the fact that, look, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and that should be, we're family and we're, we are Christ's family. And he died for each one of us. And so we are precious for, uh, precious in the Lord's sight, and we should be precious in the sight of one another as well. And so, when we have our little petty squabbles, our disagreements that we don't think are so petty at the moment, right? Husbands and wives, has that ever happened? Like, we, we tend to argue over really important things as husbands and wives, right? <laughs> Not. Like, have you ever been in a discussion? We'll call it a discussion. And, and been like, why, how did we get here? I don't know how we got here, but I still need to win, right? Like that's, that's how we feel, but it's ridiculous, right? And so we can understand how we get there as husbands and wives, but we need to understand that we can get there as brothers and sisters in Christ as well and to say, stop, what are we doing? We're not going to argue about these things anymore. We're not going to quarrel over these things anymore. They're not that important. What's important is our unity, that we would love one another, that we would care for one another. That's what's really important. Because we are one in him. We've been saved by the same grace. We're, we're, all, gonna, we're, we're all trying to serve the same Lord. And ultimately, we're all going to stand before him in judgment someday. So let us all be humble before one another and before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so our actions, we, 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 we choose not to be a stumbling block to those before us. We, we choose not to grieve anyone in their face. Why would we do that? for the sake of our freedoms. Why would we do that? Why would we destroy someone else's faith for the sake of our own freedoms? Uh, Paul sums it up well in his letter to the Philippians is that we need to think of the other's interests as more important than our own. And so it should be in the body of Christ because ultimately our unity, as we learned last week, our unity together is a witness to the world and it is the end goal of our unity is worship to him. And that's where we're going to be continuing on this morning, is, is to see that our unity, is the, the end goal is to glorify him. But sometimes what? We lose the big picture. And so he continues to take us back to the big picture. He continues to take us back to what the word of God says. And I think this morning we need to stop and say, okay, do I have some things, little things in my life where I've lost the big picture? As I thought about in the scriptures, what's an example of someone losing the big picture? I thought about Esau. You know Esau in the Old Testament, brother of Jacob? Jacob was maybe not the best brother either, but Esau, he had been out hunting, you know, he'd been out in the fields, you know, he'd been doing his thing, and he came in, and he was really, really hungry, and Jacob had been making a little stew, and Esau said, give me some stew, and he said, yeah, sure, just sell me your birthright. You give me your birthright, I'll give you some stew. And what does Esau say? He says in Genesis twenty-five thirty-two, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Was he really going to die? He may have had the hungries, right? But he wasn't going to die. But for a little bit of stew, he sold his birthright. And how many churches have been divided over just as insignificant things? People failing to to humble themselves before one another, ask for forgiveness of one another. Instead, they're just going to hold the line, hold the line because I'm right and they're wrong and the church is divided and our witness is ruined and we're not glorifying the Lord as we ought to. And so, again, I want us to just stop and think, is there any relationships that I need to be mending in order that Christ might be glorified? And so we're going to be studying that This morning, before we do though, let me pray for us one more time. Lord God, we're so thankful for this time together this morning. Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege this morning of calling out to you together. Every single person who has put their faith and trust in you this morning is a child of God. And as such, we are brothers and sisters together and will be for all of eternity. And so, God, we approach your throne. We cry out to you, God, asking, Lord, that you would search us and try us and see if there be any sinful way in us. God, we're asking, Lord, that you would empower us by your spirit to walk in obedience to whatever you call us to this morning. Lord, that your spirit would help us to understand the implications of your scriptures today. And that, Lord, our heart's desire would be that we would bring glory and honor to you in all that we do. And so, God, would you lead this preacher, help him to not speak his own words, but help him to speak your word in a way that is clear so that, Lord, you might be honored and glorified as we study your word together this morning. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so everyone needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, we want to look at God's Word together this morning. We, we are a church that believes firmly in the authority of the Word of God. It is, our, uh, it, it is, is, is a gift from God, and it is our authority today. Uh, we don't really care what the preacher thinks, right? I, I don't, you should not care about my personal opinion, but we, we want to understand what does God's Word tell us. And together, we want to submit to it. And and that idea of togetherness this morning is really highlighted as we study God's Word together. And so we're going to read Romans chapter 15, uh, verses 7 through 13. If you uh, don't have a Bible, uh, just accept the one that they're giving you as a gift from us. And uh, I really encourage you to, to read it often. All right. So Romans 15, 7 through 13. Therefore... Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles and him with the Gentiles' hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Love glorifies the Lord in four ways. Lord glorifies, love glorifies the Lord when we see unity's expression, when we see unity's expression. We see this in verse 7. Paul again says this, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Therefore, therefore, again, as we study the scriptures, every time we see therefore, we are saying like, what's the therefore, therefore, Right? It's pointing us back. It's pointing us to what has been just said. We want to understand what has been said. And, and some would say, yeah, just read chapter 1 through 15, 12, or sorry, 15, uh, five, or 6, and, and you'll understand the context here. But I, I think even as we look at the immediate implications, we have seen him saying, hey, we need to do these things so that we might glorify the Lord. And what is it that will glorify the Lord? It is welcoming one another, welcoming one another. If you look back to chapter 14, verse 1, he says the exact same thing. Only difference is there. He says that the strong should welcome the weak. Here he's emphasizing, you know what? It's all of us. We, we need to be, as believers, we need to be welcoming one another. It's really important that we understand what does that word mean. It's like the shaking people's hands when they come in. Welcome. I, I read it in scripture today. This is when we're supposed to do this. Well, yes, but so much more than that, right? To, to welcome is to embrace, is to love, it is to care, it is to accept into your fellowship, it is to, it is to do life together. And this is the idea, and, 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 and no matter what our differences, we ought to have that mindset, that we would welcome one another in the body of Christ. It is to be done in our attitudes, as we learned earlier. We are brothers and sisters. We have all been redeemed in the same way through the blood of Jesus Christ. But We are a unique people. There are two two kinds of people in this world. There are those who are saved and those who are unsaved. And we cannot have the same kind of intimate relationships with the unsaved. We, we, uh, he says in 2 Corinthians, how can we be yoked with something that is going in a different direction, right? And the unbeliever does not believe what you believe. But in Christ, we are one. We are, no matter what our background, no matter where you're from, no matter how old you are, we are one in him. And so we ought to welcome one another. We are not to sit in judgment of one another, as we've seen earlier in chapter 14. We are are not to to, to puff ourselves up and think of ourselves as better than others in the body of Christ. Instead, we are to embrace one another. We resolve not to do anything that would cause grief or cause a stumbling or or to destroy someone's faith. And so we welcome one another. How? How? As Christ has welcomed you. That's a pretty low standard, right? I mean, you don't get any higher standard. Just as Christ has welcomed you, you are to welcome one another. So this is both humbling and compelling, right? Humbling when you stop and realize, how did Christ accept you? Even while you were still an enemy of him, Christ died for you. Even when you were weak, Christ died for you. Romans 5, 6, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God didn't wait for you to kind of get your life together. Like, okay, you know, you're doing pretty good. I guess I'll help you now. You know, you're such a great person. You're such a good person. I guess I'll help you. Not, you're not like those bad people. Nobody can say that here. We are all bad people. That was the point of Romans chapter 33. We have all sinned, every single one of us. God's bar is here. We've all failed, every single one of us. And so when we think about how we are to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. We, we, we realize that none of us are perfect here. Did you know that? None of you are perfect. So what is that? What's the implications of that? You will have conflict. You will have problems with one another. You will need to confess your sins to one another. You will need to forgive one another. Like that. As Christ has welcomed you, you need to welcome one another. Schreiner puts it like this. Mutual acceptance is not exhorted because other members of the church are naturally pleasing or attractive. Since Christ accepted us despite our weaknesses and sin, then we too should accept one another. Isn't that great? I like how he puts that. We're not naturally pleasing or attractive to one another. Right? Sure, there'll be a group here. You're like, yeah, yeah, I really like those people. Right? Like that's how we work it usually in humanity like I like that person and I like that person I don't really like that person because they said this and I didn't really like that person because they do that and in the body of Christ we don't do any of that I don't really like we we we, we say oh you're your brother or sister in Christ and our affections our concern should automatically be for them how can I help that brother or sister how can I encourage them in the faith how can I build them up If Christ was willing to die for you and I, how could we not then have that same concern for one another? We don't just welcome one another when it's easy to do so. We do so even when it's hard, even when we're having conflict. If you're having conflict with one another, and you're like, okay, I tried. We, we tried. We tried to talk it out. Like I was I was telling him, you know, I, I, I came and I humbled myself before him. And I said, look, I sinned against you when I did this. And, and he said, I forgive you. And then we, like five minutes later, we were back at it again. It just seems like we're really having a difficult time. What should I then do? I should call in another, a brother, or sister, to help us because it's that important. We, we, we ought to not have any kind of Conflict, ongoing conflict amongst one another. Will we disagree with one another? Yes, we will. Will we have times when, when it's starting to get heated? Yes, we will. But before you leave, you ought to be united with one another and walking together. And if you need to, as we've been learning for the last three weeks, if you need to, say, you know what? We disagree, but that's okay. I love you. Now, just pull over for a moment. If it's the, we're disagreeing over a thus saith the Lord text, right? Like, I, I, I just like getting drunk, you know? It's, uh, it's just, you know, it helps me, you know, feel better. And your brother is saying, uh, no, that's sin. That disagreement isn't okay for us to say, well, you know, what's right for you is right for you, and what's right for me is right. Like, that's not Okay. So then that brother who challenged you, you're not repentant about that, then he's going to bring someone else along and say, hey, we really need to encourage you to repent because that's what we do because we love one another. Why? Because sin kills, sin destroys. And if we love one another, we will challenge one another in our sin. But if it's like I like the Calgary Flames and you like the Edmonton Oilers, who cares? Right. If it's like, you know, the minor things, I like to wear a, a jacket. When I come to church on Sunday morning, you know, and you're a non-jacket person, well, I guess we can still go to church together. Is that possible? Like crazy that I even have to say that because what? Have you been in churches where you're like, eh, I don't think I'm welcome here because of what I'm wearing? How dumb is that? Right? So, so that shouldn't be a thing. But the things that the scripture makes a big deal about should be a thing. So. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. So when we gather, we think about how we can spur one another on. We, we actually have real conversations with one another about how we're doing. Because that's what brothers and sisters in the family of God do. And, and we get challenged sometimes. Sometimes we don't like it, but sometimes we get challenged, and that's a good thing. Because they're spurring us on. What does a spur do? We're all from cowboy country. Does anybody even know what that means anymore? A spur is like this, this jagged thing on your boot where you stick in the side of the horse to get him going, right? And that's what we need to do to one another, it says. Sometimes we're going to need that. And other times we're just going to need somebody to come and weep with us. Sometimes we're going to need someone to, to just, just be there for us. There's all kinds of things that we need to do, but it's all for the glory of God. And so we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Moose says this mutual love ought to reign supremely in a church wholly composed of the Lord's well beloved. Why do we love one another so dearly, so closely? Because Christ has loved us. And why do we do it? To what end? To what purpose? For the glory of God. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. He gets the glory in saving us in the first place. Uh, the, The fact that he has welcomed us, that he has saved us, he gets all the glory. What did you and I offer in that equation? Our sin. That was it. But he came and died in our place He's given us faith to believe on him. He's given us grace to walk in his ways. He's he's given us his spirit. It's all of, of him. And so he gets the glory. And so he gets the glory when we are welcoming one another in the way that we ought to. When we are one people, he gets the glory. Why? Because that's not natural. Because that's not what humans do. Genesis through Revelation show us, that's not what humans do. And in fact, if you go back to Romans chapter one, and you you think about those who, instead of giving God the glory, even though they knew he was there, and they turn from him and, and worship the creation rather than the creator, we read, what's the fruit of that? Romans chapter one, verses 29 to 31. Those people are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, Think about all these relational words. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That is humanity. Flip on the news. Go to work. Talk to people what's really going on in their lives, and this is the picture. And so when, when the world sees a group of people who aren't doing that, who aren't full of these wicked things, then they're like, "Wow, there's something's going on. And who gets the glory? God gets the glory. This is why it's so important that we are one. How are we doing this morning? How are we doing in pursuing the well-being of one another in the body of Christ? Like, think about your calendar for this next week. How many minutes, hours do you have planned where you're going to be intentionally loving on the body of Christ, praying for one another, having one another over into your homes Texting a word of encouragement? How, how much time are you investing in that? See, to welcome one another, we need to what? We need to know one another. And although we do have the meet, meeting time where you talk for 30 seconds, I feel like we might need a little bit more. What do you think? And you do talk before service, and you do talk after service, but again, I feel like we might need a little bit more, right? So can I just encourage you to think about this as individuals, as families? How do I connect with the people in this church? If this is my church body, how do I be intentional about loving on and getting to know this church body? In our Canadian ebbs and flows of ministry, in the end of May, we kind of ramp things down in the church a little bit. That's a great time for you to ramp things up in your families, right? There's this awesome thing called a crock pot, right? Throw some meat in that thing or whatever you do with it, OK? And, and, and then invite somebody over after church on Sunday. You want to do that with people that you know? so that you might increase in your depth of of your relationship, you want to do that with people you don't know because you want to be the hands and feet of Christ. You you look around, and I, I just challenge you, like, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to be a blessing to this church body. This should be our prayer. Lord, help me. Help me to see those who are hurting here today. Help me to see those who are lonely here today. Help me to see those who are struggling in their faith here today, so that I might be your hands and feet. And then you have them over, and you talk, and you pray together, you encourage one another. That's what we do in the body of Christ. This idea, this North American idea of us just coming and sitting in a church and then just being disconnected from one another for the rest of the week isn't anywhere in the Bible. It's this this picture of being deeply committed to one another. And when the first century church did that, it changed their world. And it can change our world, too. So I just want to encourage you with that this morning. As a church, we're gonna come alongside and and have, you know, we're gonna we're gonna offer different things where we can come together and pray together and, and get some more teaching over the summer, but but like think about how you're going to be a part of that as well. Secondly, love glorifies the Lord when we understand unity's realization. How is it that Jew and Gentile who have hated each other for all of history could come together? How is that possible? Well, we find that out in verses 8 and 9 for i tell you that christ became a servant to the circumcised to show god's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the gentiles might glorify god for his mercy christ in his coming brought both blessing to both jews and gentiles and this again this is what we've been learning from like romans 1 through 11 Jews and Gentiles saved to be one people. In Romans 1:16 he says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek." Salvation was pro- as was promised would come through the Jews to the Gentiles. This has been the message all along. Chapters 9 through 11 really sum it up well. And so Christ came to the Jewish people as was prophesied. Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Uh, Philippians two talks about the fact that God left his throne, Christ left his throne to become a man, to be a servant so that being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He was the long-awaited Savior that had been promised through, through the words of God given to the people of Israel. In Jesus' coming, he fulfilled all that God had promised. This is what he's talking about here. Schreiner says this, Christ came as a minister to confirm the saving promises that God made to the patriarchs. The verb confirm is a legal term. Denoting the certainty with which the promises would be fulfilled. Christ, in his coming, fulfilled all the covenants, the Mosaic covenant that had been given to the people. Christ is the fulfillment of it. He walked in perfection. He fulfilled everything in the law so that you and I could be saved. He fulfilled the Davidic covenant. He is the king who will reign forevermore. And the focus in this text, he fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant given to the patriarchs, that they would what? They would be a blessing to all nations. And this is fulfilled in Christ in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Because Christ has come, salvation isn't just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles, in Romans 9 through 11, again, we see that. He explains the whole thing. Christ came for the Jews. The Jews what? Rejected Christ. And then the salvation went out to the Gentiles and has been for the last 2,000 years. And in the end, it says in Zechariah that the Jews will look on the one whom they have pierced. And as a nation, they will repent. That's the big picture of salvation. And Paul wants him to understand, this has been the plan all along. I'm not just making this up, right? So love glorifies the Lord when we, what, recognize unity's anticipation. He says, look at, look, at, look at the Bible, right? If we were to use our vernacular back in that day, look at the scriptures that have been given to us. And at that time were the scriptures that had been given to them, Genesis through Malachi. And I said, I wanted to show you. And he doesn't just pick one book or one section. He, he shows us from, from the writings. He shows us from the prophets. He shows us from the law that this was the plan all along, that the Gentiles would be included. And again, we have to put ourselves back to then and be realize like, that was really hard for them to understand, the Jewish people, for them to understand that the Gentiles would also be accepted. But he's like, look at your Bibles. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. This is a quote from 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty. David is the speaker. He is the one who has been given the grace by, of God to go and, and to conquer the Gentiles. And as a result, he's amongst the Gentiles praising the name, foreshadowing what Christ would do in overcoming the Gentiles so that they might praise his name. Verse 10, and again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 32 43. Moses, at the end of Deuteronomy, is saying, Gentiles, join us. Praise, praise, the, uh, praise or sorry, rejoice with his people. Rejoice with the, Gent- or, sorry, with the Israelites. Praise him is another way this could be translated with the Israelites. Verse 11. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. This is from Psalm 117. It's a great psalm to memorize. Two verses, right? He's saying, look, just like it says here, everyone should praise him. And guess what verse 2 talks about? Mercy and truth, just like he's just highlighted here. Mercy and truth. And then again he says, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who rises to rule the Gentiles, and him will the Gentiles hope. This verse is like awesome. Because you're like, how does this all work? Okay, so who's the root of Jesse? Was well, a descendant of Jesse. Jesse, who was the father of David. There's one who's gonna come from that line, from that, from that family line. And it says here that he, will, uh, he who arises to rule the Gentiles. And so this Jew is going to come, and he's going to rule over the Gentiles. But in him will the Gentiles hope. Like, how rich is this verse? OK, so this guy's coming. He's going to rule over all the Gentiles. But at the same time, these Gentiles are going to look to him in hope. Who is this guy? Well, he is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one that every knee will bow down to. That's the one. The one who came from the line of David. He who is the root of Jesse. He who arises. The one who rose from the dead. The one who ascended to the right hand of the Father. That all who look to him would have hope in. He's like, look, this has been the plan all along. Salvation to the Gentiles. I like what Worsby highlights here. He's just like this progression that he points out. In verse 9, we see the Jews glorifying God among the Gentiles. Verse 10, the Gentiles rejoicing with the Jews. Verse 11, all the Jews and Gentiles together praising God. And then verse 12, Christ shall reign over Jews and Gentiles. In Christ, all the peoples of the earth should praise the Lord together. And that's great application in 2022. I look around, I love the diversity we see here. This is what God intends. A lot of talk about racism, of course, wars going on in our world. What's the solution to that? The gospel. It is the only solution, is the gospel. Mankind will continue to fulfill what it says in Romans chapter 1, and they're just going to be like this, against one another until the final judgment. That's what mankind does. But in Christ, we are one people. I was just talking to James this morning, and uh, he's looking at serving with uh, Samaritan's Purse overseas. They got a they got, um, crew on the ground in the Ukraine. Guess who they ministered to? Just the Ukrainian people? Nope. Both the Ukrainians and the Russians, whoever the Lord brings their way. Why? Because that's what we do in Christ. We don't choose sides. We're not divided in him. We love one another and we love all people. That's what, that's what the gospel does. There, there is no, well, these people are here and we are here. That, that does not exist in the gospel. This is what God does. He unites us in him. So that what? So that together we might praise his name. So that together we might, we might proclaim he is Lord of lords. And one day, one day soon, we see what will happen. Revelation chapter 7, 9 and 10 is just a glimpse of what will happen one day. Revelation 7, 9 and 10, he says this. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Together they worship Him. And so it shall be should be here amongst us. This is what brings glory to God. This is what we should be striving for together. Love glorifies the Lord. Lastly, when we embrace unity's repercussion. When we embrace unity's repercussion. In other words, when we embrace what God has for us, we'll see its impact. What is the impact for you and I? Well, words like hope, peace, joy, faith, this is what the Lord desires for his people. And so he closes with this prayer. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The God of hope. And back in chapter 15, verse four, he ta- our verse five, sorry, he talked about the God of encouragement, the God of endurance. Now he reminds us that he is the God of hope. I'm not sure where your heart is at this morning, but I want you to understand that there is hope in God and God alone. The world is trying to offer so many different kinds of hope, and every single one of them is fool's gold. They will leave you wanting. They will leave you needing. And eventually, if there is no repentance, if there is no turning to this God of hope, they will leave you, apart from God for all of eternity, suffering apart from Him, but He is the God of hope. And I pray that everyone here this morning can say, yes, I know Him. I look to Him. And we, we, we see this morning that as we pray to Him, we're asking Him what? That He would fill us with all joy and peace in believing. This is what the fruit of our believing should be as we look to Him, is that we might have joy and peace. In Romans 14, 17, he said, look, life is not about, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It's about righteousness. It's about joy. It's about peace. And this is, should be ours in him. Right, do you have that peace today? Do you have that joy today? It's been given to us through the gospel. If you don't have peace in your life, it's because you're not embracing the gospel in your life. There's something going on, whether it's a relational conflict the way where forgiveness needs to be given, confession needs to be made. I'm not sure you know. If you don't have peace with God, it's because you've not come to to Christ. Well, He is challenging us that if we look to the Lord, we will be filled with all joy and peace in believing. This morning, do you believe? Have you placed your trust in him? Do you believe that, that if you walk in his ways, that you would have joy and peace? How many people in this world are, are lost and thinking that through following their own ways, they might have joy and peace? And again, you'll find that it is, you know, there is no peace. There is no joy apart from God. True peace and joy are found when we walk in unity with one another, praising the Lord with one voice. This morning, are you convinced that God's ways are better than yours? Or are you still believing that there is hope found in pursuing your sin? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Repent of your rebellion against Him and believe in Him and find joy and peace. And hope in the Lord, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. How is it that this is possible? Well, it's not anything in you and I, right? Nothing in our flesh. We pray to the God of hope, who then, this beautiful Trinity, right, gives us his spirit, who then empowers us to have hope. The Shriner says this, the God who gives hope does so by increasing faith, which results in joy and peace. It's like this cycle, right? As you learn to walk in obedience, you have this joy and peace, which then strengthens your faith, which then makes you abound in hope, which then strengthens your joy and peace, and on and on, until one day we shall be in his presence and our hope will become sight." Love glorifies the Lord when we see unity's expression. Welcome one another, how, as Christ has welcomed you. When we understand unity's realization, remember it, it is Christ who brings us together, he and he alone. When we recognize unity's anticipation, this has always been God's plan. When we embrace unity's repercussion, let us look to, excuse me, look at, let us look to the God of hope and experience together the peace and joy that he has for us. Let us see the big picture. In the Middle Ages, you know what they were arguing over? How many angels can fit onto a pin, the head of a pin? Like, that was super important. If you know anything about the Middle Ages, not a great time in the life of the church. But you know what? We can get caught up in our same kind of petty squabbles and lose The gospel within the church and the gospel going out of the church. May we see what God wants for us. May we embrace this unity that he has purchased for us at the cross. And may God be glorified in our midst. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we have this time together this morning. God, I thank you so that you know every heart here today. I thank you that you know, um, Lord, if we are walking in disobedience in this regard of of walking in unity with one another. God, if we have a problem with, (coughs) excuse me, with one another, then God, today, help us to get it right. Help us to see that this is not some small thing. Help us to see the bigger picture and how, Lord, you desire that our unity would bring glory and honor to your name. How for centuries, Lord, you had planned this to be this way, that we would be one people worshiping you with one voice. God, unify us, Lord, so that this lost and dying world would see that you are the God of hope. God, I would pray, Lord, if there are anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, that God, that they would see that there is hope found in Jesus Christ, the one who came and died in our place, Lord, that we might have hope in you. So God, we pray that your spirit would fill us and lead us and guide us in the week to come so that your name might be magnified and that the lost might be saved. It's your name we pray.